The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn News. From the news team at LinkedIn, I'm Jesse Hempel, and this is Hello Monday. At the center of our work life is our job. Most people, not everyone, but most people, they need a job to make money, pay the bills. And finding one, particularly as you grow more senior in your field, well, it can be a process. Today, we're talking with my colleague, Andrew Seaman. He's the host of Get Hired, a newsletter and live show, and now a podcast. Get Hired teaches people how to find work that aligns with their interests, their values, and their needs. Andrew has two guiding principles for his series. The first one is that you should be able to dictate the relationship that you have with your work. The second one is that work doesn't have to make you miserable. Now, we all know that job searching can be exhausting. There are so many unspoken rules in just making a resume and cover letter. Even the most confident among us can become riddled with self-doubt when trying to find something new. Andrew knows this well. Every week, he's interviewing executives, career coaches, and job search experts to give you insight into the tools you need to get hired and to get ahead. And like most of us, Andrew has had to figure out his own career path, changing jobs, switching industries, all of it. Here's Andrew. It's too easy to just say that a job is a job. You shouldn't say that, I think, because you're spending so much of your life there. There's some give and take. So I wanted to find some happy medium, but also allow people who want to just have a job to have a job, that freedom, but also not necessarily encourage people to lose their identity to their job or their career. Well put. And we should back up here a second. I mean, when you suggested Get Hired, it was an idea for people actively searching for a job at the time, right? When I went into this, for me, job seekers were sort of transient populations. It's I expected people to come and go and not have a dedicated audience. And what I found is that there are a lot of people who are job seekers consistently. So it's almost like you know, they're dipping their toes in and out each day. And I come came to realize that people actually, they do sort of always want to keep their toe in the pond of, hey, what else is out there? And it's nice to give them some consistency. And I think that's hopefully what we do. Yeah. One of the things that I like about your show is that you do a beautiful job of bringing on guests who can help your audience understand how to position what they're looking for in the first place. So tell me a little bit about the the how bit. How can people best use what you have to to further where they're going? And, and going back to what you said about how, how, how our jobs are so critical, I think about the way that our jobs define us. I mean, Granted, this could be because I live in New York City. It may not be true anywhere in the country, but you walk into any cocktail party where you don't know people and somebody says, hello, who are you? And you answer, you know, I'm Andrew Seaman. I'm a journalist with LinkedIn. The thing that you do is second only to your name in most conversations with new people, right? That is completely true. And in fact, I've I've come to actually hate that question because I don't like to just boil a person down to their job. So in fact, I was actually at a birthday party this past weekend and 
I don't know why I was trying to a lot of times my go to instead of that is what what exciting thing are you working on or what's exciting coming up for you? I tried to get that out of the gate first. And for some reason, I was at this party and it was a lot of people that I had never met before. And I just sort of jokingly said, what's your greatest fear? And this is me meeting people. (laughs) And and, um, amazingly, they answered. And I, it started off a great conversation. And then as more people came to the table, you know, and people were being introduced, other people were saying, we're all saying our greatest fear. And in fact, there were a few people, I don't even know what they did because we talked so much about other things. We didn't get to like, what do you do? And isn't that a relief? And yeah. And so I do try and avoid that. But it is central to our identity. And I think my aversion to it is because even when I came to LinkedIn, I came here from Reuters and I had been at Reuters for about a little more than seven years, I think. And I was so happy to come to LinkedIn, but I still felt almost depressed because I had been at Reuters for so long and that was my identity. I spent too much time sort of immersing myself into that. So now I think I'm very conscious of the fact that I don't want that to ever happen again. I want to talk about this a second because I think it is a really critical aha if you're thinking about searching for new work. Right. A lot of people feel really committed or connected to the craft they have chosen, the industry they have chosen. I, like you, came up in media as a journalist and I saw the world as a journalist. That was the only way that I understood the world and its problems is through the lens of a journalist. And I was so afraid after 18 years to step into another industry because I didn't want to leave go that fundamental central perspective on the world. I, I didn't know anything else. And what I found was complete freedom when I stepped aside because it was a, it was a realization, one, that there are many, many ways that are actually quite valid to see the world beyond simply seeing it through the lens of a journalist at a media company. And two, that you could take the same set of skills and apply them in a different way and actually be much happier in your day-to-day job. And that's the big aha, right? Totally. And, you know, I was at Reuters, but more than that, I was the ethics committee chairperson for the Society of Professional Journalists. So I really lived in a box of journalism best practices and things like that. So I always tried to be very buttoned up when it came to opinions and sort of freedom of thought. Like I encouraged it for everyone else, but not myself. And it was sort of, this is the price I'm paying to be in this industry and to promote freedom of speech is that I'm not going to really have my own. When I left Reuters, I also gave up my tenure on SPJ's ethics chairperson. So I really sort of did a big change when I came here. And I think letting go of those norms allowed me to sort of say, oh, okay, I can be the same person I was, but I can sort of stretch into this area. I could stretch into that area. And honestly, I was just happier. And it was like, okay, I'm glad I spent my 20s being that sort of journalist that, you know, just the facts and all that stuff. And there's such a place for that. But I don't think I want to do that anymore. Like, I want to be able to sort of explore topics and put myself into to the role and say, hey, you know, that sounds kind of crazy. Why are people doing that? And there is great freedom to it. We'll be right back. When we return, Andrew tells us about his own career change. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. 
So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. And we're back. For many of us, our identity, who we are, it's so defined by our careers that making a change, even if it's a great change, it can be destabilizing. When Andrew came to LinkedIn, he had to rethink everything. There was definitely a sense of loss. And there was actually, I don't know if someone telepathically at the New York Times was like, we should write about the feeling of loss when switching jobs. But I remember being on a crosstown bus and just scrolling through and I was like, oh, my God, this was written for me. And I was at LinkedIn. I was so happy. The people here are genuinely great to work with. But then at the same time, I was like, why do I feel so crappy? And it really was because it was like someone had ripped out a part of my identity. And it was like I was only a quarter of the person I used to be. And which wasn't true. I have a great home life. I have a great partner. And I have a great family. But it just was sort of like there was this gap that I couldn't really fill or explain for a while. And then really, I think I overcame it by just sort of saying, oh, I this wasn't so much an identity. I'm still the same person. I'm still a journalist. I'm still doing what I love. But I don't have to carry this label around necessarily. So really, I think what it was was almost you were becoming like unshackled. And I think I just misinterpreted what that was. And I interpreted it as loss when it was really sort of venturing out on something new. Well, can it be both? I mean, isn't it probably true that you did experience loss because you left something, but that over time, the thing that you went to sort of grew inside you to to quiet the loss and you felt more fulfilled in what you were doing than the thing that you had left? Totally. So you talk about the importance of the pause. For people who are in the process of actively shifting jobs, looking for a new job, applying for jobs, there is, particularly if you've hit the middle of your career or beyond that, or if you're making a career shift, there can just be... a a ton of unknown and a ton of uncertainty around that process. What other advice might you have? I think the other thing is really a mentality issue. And there's a few different parts of this. The first is to go in knowing it's not going to be easy. Hopefully it is. Hopefully you put in a application tomorrow, they call you and they say, hey, guess what? You're hired. We're going to double the salary you're making now. But the odds are that's not going to happen. Yeah, we hope that for everyone, but come on. Yes, exactly. And I try to sort of not be the Debbie Downer of the job search world, but, you know, it, it's more or less being realistic about this and sort of saying, listen, these people who you're interviewing with, they don't owe you anything. And at the same time, you know, you don't owe them anything in the process. So go into it about having great conversations with these people. Be realistic about your chances, about all the variables you can't control, and just worry about what you can control. I think a lot of people, especially now, they hear about the great job market and, you know, how how wonderful everything is. And it could be easy to get down on yourself that your job search is stretching three to four weeks. If you land a job in four weeks, that's great. Yeah, I was going to say that even feels like a pretty short time period for yeah. me. Like it can go it, – it can stretch much longer 
And it's not that you're doing anything wrong, although I bet you can always do some things better. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is just saying, listen, you know, it's difficult. You don't know if maybe the hiring manager's cousin applied for the job and they got it over you. It's a lot of just sort of being realistic and sort of taking it one day at a time and knowing that it won't be easy. But like you said, there's always something you could do better. So also just keep looking at your process. And have a support system where you can go to them and say, listen, you know, look at my resume, look at my cover letter. Can you give me genuine feedback on this? And don't go to the person who's just a yes person or there to be your cheerleader, because I think everyone has those friends where, like, that is their job, to be your cheerleader. And they're great to have, but they're the worst people to get actual criticism from because they're going to be like, no, it's good. Your cover letter is great. You want someone who's going to be genuine with you and say, you know, this this is terrible. Um, even if it's hard to hear, you're asking for their genuine thoughts. So throughout the process, make sure you're going back to them. And even if you don't have that person, you can find people online. You can find job search clubs in your local area. And there are resources out there. So, you know, keep going and then just try to figure out, hey, what what is getting results for me? How can I double in into that? How can I lean into it? But also just keep going. I think a lot of people, they go through the waves of like, this is going great. Oh, God, this is going terrible. And, you know, the key is just to keep going until you get a signed offer letter. Don't, you know, wed yourself to any opportunities that are out there in the distance or in the midst. Mist. Just go and go until you get a signed offer letter. I think that's great advice, and that's actually one of the things that I think is most valuable about Get Hired. Keeping going takes stamina. It takes faith in yourself, and it's a lonely process. And I think that you can't underestimate the value of community and of people who are on that path with you and willing to cheer you along to celebrate success with you and to remind you, like, wake up and try again. Like, this is this is a period of your life. This isn't a forever state and it could be a long period. So let's like stay in it together. Yeah. And I think if there is one benefit to the pandemic, it is that I think people are less afraid to share their struggles with job searching because before the pandemic, we had tried getting people to share their job search stories and it was worse than pulling teeth. Like, I, I'm pretty sure you could probably offer to take someone's tooth out and they would they would sign up for that before they share their job search story. Why? Is it because there's shame involved in not having a job or not securing a job? Yeah, I think, I think a lot of it comes down to being wanted and that your talents as an adult, your value as an adult, there's something about the idea of being employed and people wanting you. I think it's the same thing throughout all of life. Everyone wants to be wanted. And I think what the the pandemic did is because literally it just there was such mass layoffs and such big numbers that I think there was shell shock, but then there was also the idea that oh, I I was CEO of my company or I was like CMO and I'm out of work. And really it was people from top to bottom and I think that shame was sort of just washed away by the sheer number of people. And I think some of it is coming back now, but I remember, you know, telling people before the pandemic when they would ask me about job searching, have you told your friends that you're job searching? Have you told, you know, your family members? And the one person in my own family said, God, no, are you crazy? (laughs) And I said, well, how are they going to help you if they don't know? I baffled them by even suggesting it. 
But now I think when I do that, a lot of people are more open to it. It's, they're sort of like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I should mention it to them. So I think there has been progress in building community. So this is a meaty, meaty question I have for you. Coaches used to be something like CEOs and C-level executives took advantage of, and now it's much more mainstream. The challenge there is that it can be difficult to discern what a coach does for you and who is any good at it. So do you have any advice for listeners who are thinking about working with a coach, both should they? And if you think they should, how do you go about finding someone who can actually help you? <laughs> that is a meaty question and a dangerous one on <laughs> LinkedIn, I think. But yeah, so I think the first one, and just to confirm, there are a ton of coaches out there and so many more than there used to be. I think on this year's Jobs on the Rise list, coaches was actually one of the categories that was a growing job sector because there's just so many people calling themselves coaches. Should someone become a coach will be our next question. Yes. <laughs> you know, if you're not a coach now, you know, <laughs> um, the first thing is if you are thinking of getting a coach, the first question that you have to answer is what are you actually expecting from them? And no one can do your work for you. No one can job search for you. There are obviously people out there who you can hire to help you with all these things. But at the end of the day, you have to do the work. So I think the the main thing is to sit down and say, what am I actually trying to get out of a person that I would hire to do this? And once you have that, I think that will give you some direction over who to go to. And if you're going to do something like you need help job searching, then I think that is something where there are a lot of people out there who can give you sort of framework for jobs, being a job seeker. They obviously can't do the job search for you, but, you know, find someone who will give you the tools. And it's almost like buying a Swiss Army knife that you can carry through your life. Like this person will give you tips and tricks to continue to employ, not just to apply to one or three jobs, but to apply for 300. And that way, it's so much more value for your investment. So don't just hire someone who will write your stuff for you. Write, find someone who will teach you how to do it yourself. That way, the next time around, you don't have to worry about necessarily starting from scratch and not having the skills. Um, it's almost like hiring a teacher almost. And then when it comes to your career, if you want to level up, so say you want to be a manager and your feedback from your manager or the higher ups at your company has been, listen, you know, we know you want to be a manager, but we just don't see that in you. Or, you know, we there are these qualities that you need to work on. Or if there's some area where you feel like you need development in, then I think that's when you could reach out to an executive coach to say, hey, you know, these are the specific things I need to work on. What exactly, you know, can you offer me? And I think it's almost like auditioning. You know, you know, these people should audition for you to say, here's what I could do for you and here are the results my other clients have received. And then to vet these people beyond just asking them, you know, who their clients are, what the success they had. Look at these people's LinkedIn. You know, what <laughs> was it, what were they in you know, marketing and then all of a sudden 2020 hits and they're all of a sudden a coach, that would be a red flag. I know one thing that can be really helpful and was for me and for my wife who recently employed a job coach um, is ask for references. So if you're thinking about working with somebody, talk to three people they've worked with and 
get very specific when you're asking your questions, not just did you like so-and-so, but what was different after working with them? What tangible things can you point to that you know now that you didn't before? Yeah. No, and I think any coach who is worth the investment will be willing and able to point you to those people. So the last thing that I want to know, Andrew, and forgive me for asking this, but I just feel like it's like the good news story. Tell me about some of the people you hear from for whom like it's working, they're getting jobs, because I know you hear from them, don't you? Yeah, it's so wonderful to know that there are these people on the other side getting benefit from it. And I'm benefiting from them. So it, it's really, it's such, I have a really great job. <laughs> and, and, it goes full circle. Yeah, it's a spectrum of sort of the successes people have, but I think successes can be a lot of different things, and it could be small, it could be big, but they're still successes. That was Andrew Seaman. He's host of the LinkedIn News podcast, Get Hired. Find it wherever you listen, and then find Andrew on LinkedIn. This week on Office Hours, come tell us about your own job search or your career changes. What are some of the strategies that you use when applying for a job? Join us for Office Hours on Wednesday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern. You can find us on the LinkedIn news page or email us for a link at hellomonday at linkedin.com. And as always, if you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Hello Monday is a production of LinkedIn. The show is produced by Taisha Henry. Joe DeGiorgi mixed our show. Florencia Iriando is head of original audio and video. Dave Pond is head of our news production. Michaela Greer and Victoria Taylor help us find meaning in our work. Our music was composed just for us by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Dan Roth is the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn. Sarah Storm remains our fairy godmother. I'm Jesse Hempel. See you next Monday. Thanks for listening. I'm going to buy lots of antiques for spaces that I don't have. Then it's just going to end up in a storage unit that I pay extra for. Yeah, you can put it in ours because ours is full of antiques that there's not actually room in our home for. So it's the it, It's the suffering of gay people. <laughs> <laughs> you and my wife, man. It's just you go from place to place being like, do you have nice old stuff that I can take? <laughs> <laughs>